0: This is Chris from Play Comics, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World.
1: I'm Chris McBride, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me.
0: And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation.
1: Episode 137: Michael Jackson Songs. Hey, I'm Chris McBrien, along with Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. You'll find Derek on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM, and I'm on Twitter at C. McBrien and PopGoesYourWorld.com is our website with all of our contact information. Derek, how are you, my friend? And also, what's going on in pop culture in your world tonight, my
0: friend? Hey, Chris, I, I am, am doing very well. How are good. you doing this I'm week? I'm good. I'm good. Well, good to hear. pop culture good to hear. with you. Life is Yes, good. yes. Well, um, yeah, no, things are good. Um, I've actually had an opportunity to start catching up on some of uh, the pop culture things on my PVR, things that have uh, dropped uh, on the streaming services. And uh, I've watched a couple of really good things this week that I I can't wait to recommend to people. Uh, The first is a movie that I don't know if you've seen this movie, Chris. It's called Inside Man. It was from, I want to say, 2006. So you probably haven't, directed by Spike Lee. No. In fact, I've never even heard of it. Okay. Well, I think we know a movie that I'll be recommending to you in the very near future then. Uh, Inside Man stars Denzel Washington along with a huge cast of of, uh, fantastic performers. I hadn't seen this movie in a while. I knew it was one that I enjoyed the last time I watched it, but it had been like I said, it had been a couple of years. It came on one of the movie channels. I thought, eh, hey, I'll give it a, I'll give it a watch. I, I forgot how much I really enjoyed this movie. And then I was messaging with my brother the other day, and I said, hey, I just watched Inside Man. And he goes, oh yeah, so did I. He goes, it's one of my all-time favorite movies ever. And I'm like, wow, okay, good, good, good to know. So, yeah, Inside Man, a good, uh, good revisit. So uh, fans of the show. That'll be coming up soon. I'll get Chris to watch it, especially now that he said he doesn't know anything about it. The other thing I watched was a documentary series that dropped on Netflix a few weeks ago. I'm only getting caught up on it now about Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls called The Last Dance. Chris, are you familiar with this?
1: I've heard of it. I saw it on social media, but uh, yeah, I haven't watched it or anything
0: yet. How was it? Uh, What I've seen so far has been phenomenal. I mean, I'm not a big – I'm not a fan of basketball. I don't watch basketball. I don't really understand basketball. I mean – you know, it's just not my thing. If this was hockey, there'd be a whole other story. But but Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan. He's one of the most famous athletes ever, the best at what he does. Uh, you know, he's a pop culture icon to a certain extent. He's just an all-around famous individual. And so I, I was as soon as I'm like, they're like, Oh, there's this thing on Michael Jordan. I'm like, I'm in. I'm all in. Fine. And just the quality is so good, the way they put this together. Like, ESPN knows how to do do a documentary. If you've ever watched any of the 30 for 30 documentaries, they are usually top-notch. This is no exception. This is – except it's uh, 10 episodes. They're about an hour apiece. I believe they're releasing them two episodes at a time, uh, like, per week. And I believe the last two episodes drop this weekend. So – by the time the last two come out, I should be caught up. I'm three episodes in. It's it's so good so far. And again, as a non-basketball guy, I don't really know a lot about any of what they're talking about. So it's all new to me. But I have talked to some people who are big basketball fans who do know a lot of the stuff. And they even said they're like, even though I know the broad strokes or I remember watching some of this, they're like, it is just so well done. It is so good. And they have like interviews now with all the people the, the coaches and the and the, the general managers and the agents and the players and the teammates and the the opponents like they, they have such a, a strong um, uh, credibility in the industry ESPN does and the people putting this documentary together that everyone, everyone wanted to be in it so it's not like you know sometimes they do a documentary and they're like so and so was not able to participate in this and so you don't really get to hear their side of it they have yet to talk about somebody who hasn't been on the show talking about their points whether they're positive or negative but so far it's just i can't say enough good things about it by next week i'll have watched them all but yeah the last one thing that
1: i always heard about michael jordan was that he was like a massive trash talker on the court I'm I'm assuming that's going to come up in the documentary at some point. From
0: from what I've seen, it's not so – from what they're depicting anyway, it doesn't seem like it's so much trash talk as much as it's um, confidence in his ability. Like because he is absolutely and clearly the best guy on the court, he's able to um, demand more of his teammates uh, and not in a way where you're like, I'm better than you. But as much as he's like, hey, do you want to win this? Then you're going to – you know you got to do what i'm telling you to do because i know what i'm talking about here and uh yeah it's it's so far it's it's fantastic i mean there are a lot of things where some of these players are not shown in the greatest light but hey that's the way the world works and it's nice to see they're not just trying to paint it with their happy brush and go oh everything was great and that's why they won all these championships it's like no these these guys had lies and they're legitimate characters in this story and yeah, it's, it's great. I think you'd really like it, Chris. I don't know if your wife would like it so much, but uh, yeah, give, yeah it a, give it a watch. Just watch the first episode. <clears throat> if you don't like the first episode, you're not going to like this, but I think you're going to really see the, the the quality of this program within the first 45 minutes you'll be yeah, like i mean
1: my, my wife is already mad enough at me for making her watch movies that she doesn't like for this podcast <laughs> so there, there's that a couple of things i wanted to mention so a couple of episodes ago we did a uh, a podcast on cover songs our favorite cover songs of all time and in that episode you mentioned somewhere over the rainbow and his oh, name yes. was like israel chemical or something like that and I'd never heard of that version. And so one of the cool things about doing this show, as I always mention, is, is you open up my eyes to, you know, pop culture of, uh, you know, this generation. You know, stuff that I don't exactly watch on my own or listen to on my own. So I'm really glad for that. And I'd, ne- I'd never even heard of this version. I just knew the, the version from, you know, Wizard of Oz. That
0: was it. Wizard of Oz, yeah.
1: And so I watched it on YouTube. And it was really, really good. I could have probably lived without seeing a 600-pound Hawaiian man shirtless, but the song was really, really good. So there was that. And I also want to mention, because we lost some people recently, unfortunately, Brian Dennehy and Jerry Stiller both died. Yes. And yes. they were both, you know, in a lot of stuff that I really, really enjoyed. And also one that kind of kind just slipped by almost unnoticed was Roy from Siegfried and Roy. You know the Vegas act with the white tigers?
0: I'm Mr. Vegas, yeah, I knew.
1: Yeah, Yeah, Roy died. Now the official ruling was that he died from the coronavirus, but I think we probably know who was really behind it was Carol Baskin, Carol Baskin. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh jeez. You know what that? Yes, is? yes, I've seen the Tiger King. Oh, you have seen Tiger King? The last yeah. time we talked, you you hadn't seen Tiger King. No, I broke down and watched it. Everyone else was watching it and, <laughs> "Hey, I'm starved for new content." So, and I I love a documentary probably more than the next guy, so. <laughs> Did you like Tiger King? Uh, it was okay. I mean, it was certainly, uh, the thing I heard more most before I started watching it was it's like a train train wreck. You can't look away. You want to look away, but you want to also see the carnage. And that was pretty apt description. Yeah, it was was just, yeah, exactly. And actually, Chris, I heard that there's talks of making a Tiger King movie. And they have cast none other than Nicholas Cage I heard that. as the Tiger King, or at least that's who they want. I don't know if this right. is as all legit. That's the story. He's Joe exotic. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I heard that. And too. I thought to myself, wow, that is perfect casting.
1: Buddy. I saw, um, on Netflix, they have a new episode on Tiger King. It's, uh, Joel McHale is like interviewing some of the people that were in it. Um, so we watched it. It wasn't very good,
0: but, uh, that's nice what I heard. So yeah. I didn't bother. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Don't waste your time with it. It's not that good. Okay. Um, Okay, before we get started, though, it is time for Here's Your Dad Joke of the Week. Now, as you know, Derek, I try to keep it related, you know, to our topic for the podcast. Okay. So here we go. Derek, what was the name of Michael Jackson's clothing store?
0: Uh, I, I have no idea.
1: Billy Jeans. No, oh. jeez. Oh, I have, I have another. I have another one too.
0: Oh, of course you do. Of course.
1: What did the mother say to Michael Jackson at the beach?
0: I have no idea. <laughs> Just I can't. <laughs> Jeez. Oh man, Chris, family show, family show. Calm the Ocean.
1: Calm Blue Ocean.
0: It, there's a lot of like wink wink nudge nudge. He's smoky in the band oh. shirt for you. <laughs> so, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yes. Oh, I'm
1: so glad. Boof from Teen Wolf.
0: Hot as a pistol. Wow. I know. That's pretty amazing. I'm a big Dungeons and Dragons nerd.
1: It's a shock that you never got more girls in high school.
0: <laughs> Calm Blue Ocean. Calm Blue Ocean. Calm Blue Ocean. I don't know. That's a lot to unpack, Chris. I'm like, going second here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay. Anyway, so um, that's that. Uh, You actually came up with the topic for this week, which was a pretty good one. Uh, You know, you you and I were going back and forth. What are we going to talk about on the podcast this week? And, And, you know, you had mentioned how in the past we had done an episode on our favorite Queen songs, you know, and we really enjoyed doing that. And you said, you know, I'd like to take a look at Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson, you know, obviously King of Pop, you know, tons of songs that we're going to get into all that. And so, Derek, you kind of came up with that topic. Uh, before we get into our top five list, we decided to put together a top five list of our top five favorite Michael Jackson songs. Lots to pick from. Um, do you want to just uh, touch base on why you wanted to uh, to go down this road with Michael Jackson songs?
0: Sure. Um, I'll give you a little uh, blurb, and then uh, I want to do a couple of honorable mentions before we jump into the real list. So. <laughs> um as you mentioned, the last time we did this on a specific uh, artist, it was uh, Queen. And this was all around the time that the Bohemian Rhapsody movie was was gaining momentum. And again, Queen, one of the, the all-time greatest rock bands, classic rock bands, depending on how you want to classify them. Freddie Mercury, arguably one of the, the best lead vocalists and performers ever. And there was a lot to choose from there, a lot of praise, and there was no shortage of great songs, no shortage of greatness. And I started thinking, like, what other artists might we visit in that kind of a way? And we had already talked previously about someone like Prince. I know Yancey is a huge prince fan. so we said, well, maybe we we'll see if you can get Yancey to come back on, we'll talk about our favorite Prince song. So that's if, something if we, could we didn't do invite. The road. If we didn't invite Yancey on to do Prince, he would probably kill us. Yeah, I, I, th- I think he would. He'd come mm-hmm. all the way to Canada despite uh, quarantine mm-hmm. regulations, and, and yeah, he'd mm-hmm. stomp us for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily I mean, we just banned guns, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah. So there, and again, there's a few artists, but you want to look for an artist that is big enough to have a, a, a music catalog that you and I are not just going to simply pick the same five songs, be, either because they have enough to choose from that they have more than five really good songs or that they're it's not just like well they have 20 good songs but these five are absolutely head and shoulders above the rest and so you know Who's better? Who better than Michael Jackson? He's the king of pop. Uh, a lot of people would argue and probably very correctly that he is the greatest musician that ever lived. Uh, the guy sings, the guy dances, the guy, uh, you know, he, he knows how to how to put on a show uh, probably better than anybody else or, or did. I mean, R.I.P. Michael Jackson. But um, he has a music legacy that is unlike anyone else. He was for the years when he was in his prime, he was the most recognizable figure worldwide we're not just talking north america and english-speaking countries we're talking globally you he would go anywhere in the world and people would know him i had, I remember years and years ago i had a teacher i think it was in high school university and he said like oh uh you know there was a couple of years he goes i went and taught english and like South Korea or the Philippines or Japan or something for a year. A lot of people did that. They took a year off. They went and taught, taught English in somewhere in Asia. And he said, I remember not having any teaching experience. I went in the first day and I sort of said to the students, like, what can I teach you? What can I? And he, so he had some suggestions. And he said they all wanted to learn the words for Michael Jackson songs. That's how the kids wanted to learn English was through the music of Michael Jackson. And he's And he was shocked at some of these places. He's like, they were pretty far off the map and Michael Jackson had this far reach where everybody knew who he was. And so when we started talking about what to do the next show on, I said, well, Hey, there are no bigger performers than Michael Jackson. He's got a huge catalog. Let's see if we can come up with, uh, let's First of all, let's see if we can narrow it down to just five and, uh, let's see if we can come up with a couple of lists here. And that's sort of where we are today. Mm -hmm. Okay. A little history
1: in the early to mid eighties, I was a metalhead. I mentioned that before on the podcast here. I liked heavy metal music. I was into Aussie and Quiet Riot and bands like that, you know, Rat and stuff. And as a result, I think it's pretty safe to say that I wasn't the biggest Michael Jackson fan at the time. You know, it just kind of clashed with the whole metal stuff. So, in fact, I think it might even be safe to say I hated Michael Jackson at that time. But as as the 80s wore on. I was able to kind of come around a bit and see just how influential he was on music. I mean, he was the king of pop, right? Uh, he was, the like you mentioned, the biggest superstar in the world and definitely in the 80s. And regardless of what I felt about Michael Jackson then or even now, I think you have to admit that he was probably the single biggest influence on the music industry that's ever lived. Uh, so no matter what I might think about Michael Jackson as a person, you know, with all the shady stuff surrounding his personal life, that's not what this is about. We're talking about his music and his music only. So with that being said, we decided we would run down our top five Michael Jackson songs. Derek, you want to take us away? What's your number five Michael Jackson song?
0: Well, before we get into that, as I mentioned, I have a couple of honorable mentions. Yes. So- please. what are they? Before we put our list together, we laid down a couple of ground rules. Now, again, sometimes we don't necessarily have the same ground rules, but this is one I said to you right off the bat As I said, Chris, I, you can't put anything from the Jackson 5 on the list. It has to be after Michael Jackson left the Jackson 5 and went on his own. Anything after that is fair game which I know I got a few sad faced emoticons from you and you were all like, oh, I had a couple of those on my list. So mm-hmm. unfortunately- I'll mention those as my
1: honorable mentions as honorable well. Honorable mentions, yeah, sure. The
0: other one I said was, you know, uh, let's acknowledge but but exclude from our list, we are the world. This is the song that, that was written for the African relief in, uh, uh, what was it, 1985? It was around the time of Live Aid. Uh, we are the world, where they brought together all, all the the performers from the U.S., all the like basically everyone who was a, a big musician at that time. They invited them to come and sing on this song, and then all the proceeds went to charity. And Quincy and
1: Jones was, did the whole we, thing, yep.
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, but Michael Jackson had a writing credit on that, so I thought, well, we we should acknowledge the the scope of of that song uh like I, I don't necessarily think musically it it makes the top five michael jackson songs ever but i think it's important to acknowledge the the uh the importance of that song yeah,
1: yeah well, I, I even sorry, so sorry just jumping i didn't even think it was the best um song at the time for uh, african relief i thought the canadian one was better
0: i like the british one myself uh, I, that was a good one too yeah um and the other one i want to mention and this is sort of a, a sharp left turn from what i just talked about mm-hmm. uh, many people may not realize this michael jackson wrote the song do the Bartman from the simpsons right so again um not a not a quote-unquote Michael Jackson song, because he doesn't actually perform on the song. I think he does some background vocals. But the idea was Michael Jackson was a huge fan of The Simpsons right from the outset. And at the time, The Simpsons were uh, the number one show on TV. And uh, Michael Jackson did a, a voice cameo on, I think it was like the first or second season, very one of the very first celebrities to do mm-hmm. a voice cameo. At the time when... It was embarrassing to do those, so the performers didn't use their real names, and uh, which they reference in a subsequent episode where they're like, it was full of guest stars, Dustin Hoffman, Michael Jackson. They didn't use their real names, but you could tell it was them. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, Michael Jackson went to the people at The Simpsons and said, I want to write a song for the simpsons that you can put out as a single so that bart simpson has the number one show and the number one song at the same time and he did he wrote do the bartman and although do the bartman was never technically released as a single it did sell very very well and it's again one of those ones that's uh, you know a secret almost like a secret legacy of michael jackson that that never gets mentioned so i thought before we go into the like the really good stuff i wanted to make sure that got mentioned chris honorable mentions uh, yeah, like you
1: you mentioned, uh, you, you said we had to exclude Jackson 5 songs, and we had to stick to Michael Jackson's solo stuff. I really liked ABC, I Want You Back, and Shake Your Body Down to the Ground. All of which, by the way, have been sampled by artists in the 90s and 2000s. But I really liked those songs, but I couldn't include those, but I did want to give them a shout out.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Some of the some of the Jackson 5 stuff was really good. So. So good.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. So, why don't you kick us off? Your number 5 Michael Jackson song. All right. What do you got?
0: My number 5 uh, is Man in the Mirror. This is from the album That's a good one. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not uh, like you think Michael Jackson you think song a dance band. This is going to have a rhythm. This is going to you going know, to tap your foot and sing along and get on the dance floor. Man in the Mirror not so much that kind of song. Um, one of the things that always that I liked about man on the mirror, man in the mirror is just the lyrics, like the message of it, right? It's, it's the whole idea of, if you want to change, if you want to make a change in this world, you got to start by, by changing yourself. And that's the whole thing, right? Uh, um, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. That's the guy I want to have the change with. It's like, you know, the lyrics of the song talk about how he sees people who are less privileged. You know, realizes the character in the song realizes he has versus those who have not and feels bad about it. And then has this epiphany of, well, I think in order for me to, to better the world, I need to start by accepting what I can do for myself. And it's just such a positive message. Um, it's one of the rare Michael Jackson songs where the video doesn't even have Michael Jackson in it. So many of his music videos and I'm sure we'll talk more about this in the course of the podcast are more like short films and it's not just Michael Jackson in the song, there's usually like a whole production and famous people and famous directors and all the rest of that. This one is uh, a series of images of people who made change in the world most of them very positive change but there are some people like i believe Adolf Hitler is is shown in the video as well and again it talks about how uh you know confidence and self-image and and the things you can do to change the world ultimately for the better is is the point but um it's it's this really positive message it's such a positive message and the song is is it's like a, almost like a gospel song, like the way it's, it's performed. It's, uh, yeah, it's really good. Let me give you a couple of the stats. I got stats on all my songs. So Man on the Mirror reached number one on the Billboard charts. It was there for two weeks. It was Michael Jackson's 10th number one single. It was the fourth consecutive number one single uh, in the United States off of the Bad album. And it reached in 2009 after Michael Jackson died. A lot of his music was re-released and in the uk man on the mirror debuted at number two on their charts in 2009 after michael jackson died it was one of the ones that uh that made it back into the mainstream charts so my number five pick man in the mirror that's a really good
1: song um the one thing about that song that really stands out in my mind was <clears throat> i want to say in the summer of 87 i drove to florida uh, my mom drove us to florida me and 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 my sisters we went down there to spend time with my grandparents they had gone down there for a little while and we went to disney and stuff and that song was on the radio the whole drive there and back it was just so <laughs> popular i remember that that song a lot. okay my number 5 i'm going to go with wanna be starting something so the album thriller opens up with this song and what a great way to open such an iconic album the the title of this song alone speaks to the fact that Michael Jackson, he was going to go on to start a revolution in the music industry. And with this opening song on the album, he shows that he's ready to kind of start his ascent to being the king of pop because he's going to be starting something here. And this song for me sort of finalizes the transition of Michael Jackson from the 1970s to the 1980s. It's still got elements of disco in it, but it also opens the door to the type of music that sort of defines the 80s he actually originally wrote this song for his sister latoya to perform and funny enough a song like this in the hands of a lesser vocalist would just it would just come off as like a repetitive song because it's kind of a repetitive song and it doesn't have a lot of flair to it but with michael jackson singing it he really makes something out of it if you go back and listen to this song his vocals that's what makes this song pop i really like the song a lot and it's number five on my list. So,
0: and if I remember correctly, this mm-hmm. is the one where at the end it's the mama say mama Sa mama who is that, that that's this one, right? Yeah, yeah. And so there's sections of this song. I think this we'll find this with almost every song on this list. It has been sampled. So Rihanna uh, had a hit single, um, "Please Don't Stop the Music," and she sampled huge sections of this song. Uh, so for people who maybe aren't as familiar with this, because this obviously isn't one of Michael Jackson's you know biggest songs no it's not Uh, the 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 beat and the sampling has been reused in in more recent hits so all right okay number four Uh, my number four all right some people might have this as their number one i'm going to put out my number four and that is beat it so this is off of the thriller album uh let me let me back up a second so when i was a younger person and i first started getting into music Mm -hmm. it was 1981 1982 ish i can't remember exactly and i remember one year for christmas i got like my own little radio with a cassette deck so i could tape songs off the radio and i had a record player and so of course you get a record player you got to get some records and one of the very first records i ever got was michael jackson's thriller i still have it nice it's totally beat up so unfortunately Mm -hmm. i know some of those old ones are worth money mine is definitely not worth any money it's very well listened to very well loved but it's a collectible Well, sure. For you. Uh, For me, yeah, Yeah. for sure. I wouldn't get rid of it for anybody. And I'm sure if I could find myself a turntable, it would probably still sound pretty good. Uh, But I remember, uh, you know, having this album and listening to all the songs over and over and over again. uh, Beat It just being one of the many hits off of this album. Uh, But at the time, uh, one of the other albums I got uh, a couple years later or around the same time, I guess it might have been a little around that time, was um, Van Halen's 1984 album. And so I was uh, a fan of Van Halen as well. Like you, I like sort of the heavier stuff, but I was still pretty young. So very influential, listen to a little bit of everything. And when I learned that uh, Eddie Van Halen had done the guitar solo on Beat It, that just sort of ramped it up even another notch for me where it's like, oh my God, you know, two of my favorite performers on the same, same song. How, you know, how does it get any better? Um, It's this, uh, uh, it's one of the ones where it's one of the very first Michael Jackson videos I ever saw. The, uh, the idea of sort of the, the dance fighting uh, choreography it's again you sort of describe it to someone who's never seen it it sounds a little silly and hokey but it worked one of the things that Michael Jackson's staple is the choreography the dancing the you know it's 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 great um, It's this combination of uh, like rock and funk and disco it's like this this real amalgamation of sounds. Uh, that that sort of brings Michael Jackson into multiple genres right like you said coming out of the 70s he was very much uh, the disco sound it, it was all about like what can you dance to and uh, whereas beat it has this combination of like synthesizers and electric guitars it was this this weird yet, uh, beautiful amalgamation of these, uh, of these forms. Here, I have some notes here specifically about, uh, Van Halen. So as we mentioned, Eddie Van Halen did the guitar solo. Apparently he did it free of charge. And apparently a lot of people felt that he, um, he was taken advantage of that. He was tricked into doing this for free. But apparently the quote from him is he said, he did it as a favor to Michael Jackson and he doesn't feel like it was something that, uh, that he t- got taken advantage of for, um, Uh, A couple of quotes here from the Wikipedia page. It says, uh, Beat It has been cited as one of the most successful, recognized, awarded, and celebrated songs in the history of popular music. Both the song and the video have had a large impact on pop culture. Beat It received a 1984 Grammy Award for Record of the Year, Best Male Rock Vocal Performance, and two American Music Awards. Uh, And I think that – oh, and of course, it was number one on the Billboard charts for three weeks, uh, the third single from the Thriller album. And I think no mention of Beat It would uh, be complete without mentioning that uh, Weird Al Yankovic did a (laughs) parody called Eat It, which was also a huge hit. (laughs) It was. You know, in my mind, as a young person, if Weird Al's covering your song and he's doing a parody of it, you've obviously made it. Like parody doesn't work if people don't understand what you are making a parody of and that's the one thing i've always loved about Weird Al yankovic is he really just has this sixth sense for saying like this is either going to be a huge hit i'm gonna parody it or this is becoming a great hit i gotta get a parody out while it's still popular uh eat it certainly one of Weird Al's early success stories mm-hmm. and uh and again this is one where Michael Jackson very quickly became known for fantastic videos. And of course, Weird Al, doing the whole parody thing, parodies the video, mm-hmm. which he will do again and again for a number of other Michael Jackson songs. Uh, yeah, it's just, Beat It is one of those songs that you hear it come on the radio, you hear that ar- ar- those first few, uh, I don't even know, what, what is the instrument would make that sound at the beginning? It's almost like a gong, but it's like a synthesized gong. Like, Yeah, I think it was all synth. If I'm not mistaken, but but you hear it and it's like, it's so different than any of like when you hear that come on the radio or you hear that come over your streaming service. It's like, you know, right away, it's like, oh my God, this is Michael Jackson. We're going to be in for a treat for these next four minutes as we hear beat it. So my number four, beat it. When I think of the
1: song beat it, I always am taken back in time. Whereas, you know, we mentioned before music takes you back to a place in time. And whenever I hear beat it, I always think of being in the arcade I just, I don't know why, because in the arcade, in my local arcade in the small town I grew up in, they always played music. And that, I always think of that song being, playing when I was like in there playing like Pac-Man and, you know, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> okay, my number four. Now, I've said this before uh, when it comes to music, but also when it comes to different decades. I I've always felt like the 70s had a style of music. And the 80s definitely had a style of music. The 90s had a style of music. And there was also a transition between the decades back then. I think the 2000s and the 2010s, for me, all just kind of blend together without much distinction. Uh, Of course, maybe that's just me being the crotchety old man. I don't know. But for me, as the 70s were winding down and transitioning into the 80s, one song that always sort of stood out for me as a song that kind of was there to bridge the gap between the two decades was Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. It's off Michael Jackson's 1979 album, Off the Wall. And for me, anyway, it, it embodies everything that music was all about at that time. It's clearly a disco song, obviously. And it also gives you a bit of a glimpse into what Michael Jackson was was going to do in the 80s and just how influential that he was going to become as an artist I'd say this is pretty much the first time uh, that the world got to see what Michael was like as a solo artist, you know, coming off, you know, the the Jackson 5 stuff and stuff. But as a songwriter and a singer, you know, with the music video that they made for this song, we also got a chance to see what kind of a dancer he was. So this song gave the world a taste of what was to come with Michael Jackson. And also, when I think of the late 70s, I think of one thing, and that's disco, and when I think of disco, I always think of this song. This song is just the probably the biggest disco song ever, the best disco song ever.
0: and uh, it makes my list on here. so it's uh, it's number four. Nice. That's a good pick. This yeah. this definitely was creeping in. So, full disclosure, mm-hmm. you and I discussed before that we we put our list together. We said, "Why don't we put it together a top 10 even though we're actually only going to use our top 5?" This is in my top 10 and and was very I like again, my order kept shuffling around and this was this almost made it into my top five. I agree with you. I agree with everything you said. And like I said, I listen to a lot of uh, 80s retro channels. This song creeps on there more than it should considering that those channels bill themselves as like we're all 80s. But they do play some 70s and some early 90s. This one, just like you said, it's I – think, I think you nailed it on the head. It's the – it's like a transition song. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a disco song. But – we we get a sense of what Michael Jackson is going to do in the 80s from this. And That's it's so good. Yep. And yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a toe yep. tapper. You hear it yep. and you're like, you just start bopping your head and tapping your foot and going, oh, man, I'm going to dance. If it, to it this. wasn't, when I was putting together this list, if it wasn't for the fact that he has so
1: many other good songs, this would have been number one. <clears throat> you know, any other artist, this would probably be their number one song of all time. But he's got so many other good songs. It's so, it's so hard to do it. But uh, no, I agree. Total transition song.
0: All right. Number yep. three, what do you got? All right. My number 3 uh this might be a bit of a cheat and if it is too bad I'm still doing it. My number 3 is say say say. Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, yeah. So not a solo Michael Jackson song, but definitely put out well after he left the jackson five yeah no it uh, qualifies i think okay good good i just i know sometimes i make these rules and then you call me out for breaking them I'm so a little bit more flexible than you are apparently. oh okay well it's all good. so um say 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 was actually the second collaboration with paul mccartney and michael jackson they did their uh the girl is mine which was on the thriller album and uh, this one came out uh the next year the year what year was thriller by the way do you mm-hmm. have no it was it 81 or 82 it was 82 so this was released in uh in 1983 so this was the the following year um it was on paul mccartney's album so the the first collaboration was on michael jackson's album the second collaboration was on paul mccartney's album the album was called pipes of peace which i didn't know until today i had to look that up uh it debuted at number one on the billboard hot or not necessarily debuted but it reached number one on the billboard hot 100 it was there for six weeks this was michael jackson's 7th Top 10 hit in 1983, which is crazy. That broke a record that until then had been held by the Beatles and Elvis Presley. So by 1983, Michael Jackson is now on the same platform as the Beatles and Elvis Presley. Like that just, wow, just blows my mind. Um, and, and I mean, there was... There was no stopping this guy. Like he was, he was incredible. Uh, Say, say, say. um, Again, it's very much an '80s pop song. It's got the uh, yeah. I mean, Paul McCartney, being a Beatle himself, is no stranger to to success. the The guy knows how to write a song. The guy knows how to sing. Um, Excuse me. And again, another one where they had some fun with the video. It's got a nice little uh, uh, story going on there. Uh, Paul McCartney's wife uh, has a small part in the video. Michael Jackson's sister has a small part in the video. Um, it's just a, a, one of these feel-good, you know, feel-good songs. Excuse me, where uh, you know both performers pretty much are on equal footing, and you can almost look at it as like, um, like almost like a passing of the torch kind of thing, right? Like by this point, Paul McCartney's solo career. Is sort of coming to an end, right? He done his Beatles thing, and I mean, like, you're never going to be bigger than that. Then he was with Wings, and he had a lot of success with that. And it's like at this point, now it's just like, okay, well, what's next for Paul McCartney? The guy think, is I think at,
1: that's, at that time, give my regards to Broad Street came out. It wasn't a big hit. Yeah, I think he was yeah. winding down. You're right.
0: Exactly. It's and again, he's obviously a lot older than Michael Jackson, but he dem- he brings experience. He like I said, he knows he knows the music industry. He's got a phenomenal sense of of what the musical trends are he's he's able to keep up if not direct musical trends and michael jackson is like you know you got paul mccartney sort of on the downswing and michael jackson on this huge upswing and these collaborations like this is perfect like you couldn't ask for two better performers musicians songwriters to come together to to work together i can only imagine uh you know this either one of two things they had a blast doing this and it was so much fun or it was the most difficult thing they've ever done because they're both so good at what they do. I'd like to think it's the first one where they probably both had a lot of fun with it because this is their second collaboration. If they didn't enjoy the first one, I can't imagine they would have gone back to that. Well, Um, yeah. uh, uh, So this, this definitely uh, for me makes, uh, makes my top five. Uh, One of the things that I want to bring up about this is um, later Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney had a bit of a falling out and it was over uh, the catalog rights of the old Beatles songs. Right. So I have a little quote here uh, from, uh, from my research I was doing this afternoon. So let me just read this. It says, um, while they were uh, writing and performing this, Michael Jackson stayed at the home of Paul McCartney and his wife during the recording sessions and they, became, they all became friends. Um, while at the dining table one night, Paul McCartney brought out a book that displayed all the songs to which he owned the publishing rights. And Paul McCartney says, this is the way to make big money. He informed Michael Jackson. Every time someone records one of these songs, I get paid. Every time someone plays these songs on the radio or in a live performance, I get paid. And then it says McCartney's words influenced Jackson's later purchase of the ATV Music Publishing Catalog in 1985. Basically, uh, you know, Michael Jackson takes this incredible uh, and valuable lesson from Paul McCartney. Unfortunately for Paul McCartney, <laughs> Michael Jackson buys all the Beatles stuff. So they have a bit of a falling out there, but it's it's – just a demonstration of Paul McCartney sort of passing that torch to the next generation and, and not, you know, um, opening his eyes to, yeah, it's great to sing. It's great to perform. It's great to get paid to do this, but you want to make some big bucks. You got to look a little more broad. And, uh, so yeah, that's where we are. Say, say, say is my number three. Very
1: good. Okay. My number three, if you asked a hundred people, what their favorite Michael Jackson song was. 99 would probably say this one. So it's definitely the textbook answer for number one. But I'm, I want to just try and break that mold a bit because you always accuse me of being the textbook answer guy. So I'm, I've, I put it down at my number three for good reason. And I'll mention my, my next two as we get to them. But it's Thriller. Uh, probably the song that's most associated with Michael Jackson. Obviously, title song on the iconic album of the same name. It is the greatest music video of all time, directed by John Landis back in the day when he was at the top of his game as a Hollywood movie director. I think it embodies the early 80s like no other song does. It's, Agreed. It's appeared in like countless pop culture references, movies like Revenge of the Nerds and 13 going on 30. When you think of the 80s, you think of Thriller. And when you think of Michael Jackson, you think of Thriller. When you think of music videos, you think of Thriller. It's the biggest of the biggest songs of all time. It's the signature Michael Jackson song. All that being said, like I said, it should be number one on the list. I was going to say,
0: why is this not your number one, Chris? You're not, you're, you're giving me all the reasons that this should be number one. Give me a reason why it's not. The reason. Or give me a
1: reason why it's not for you. The reason it's not for me is because, as, as we've often said on this podcast before, these lists aren't just about being the textbook answers. Instead, we're talking about our personal favorites. So it's only number three for me. M- maybe my top two will surprise you. We'll see. But Thriller is, for me, the number three Michael Jackson song.
0: Wow. Okay. okay. On your we're, number we We're, we're going to revisit this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. uh, We get down my list. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I got to say that that's... I am... Surprised yet not surprised that that's not your number one. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I'm kind of curious what you got as yeah. number two, number one now. Well, that's that's even more interesting. I'll to explain me. them when we okay. get to them. Yeah, all right. Uh, my number two is uh, an, um, the song Smooth Criminal. So, this is the second time I'm referencing Smooth Criminal in under a month on this show because when we did our cover songs a couple of episodes back, uh, the cover version of Smooth Criminal by Alien Ant Farm made my top five then. And so, when I was doing my Michael Jackson list. I I really had to acknowledge that part of the reason I I liked the cover so much was because I liked the original so much. And so, again, we'll start with a little bit of the stats. Smooth Criminal made it uh, to number seven on the uh, Billboard 100. um, And it was the sixth top ten single from the bad album. This keeps blowing me away with Michael Jackson he releases bad and he's got six or seven singles off the album. He releases thriller. He's got six or seven singles off the album. Like this just doesn't happen anymore. This barely happened then, but just the, the, the fact that the songs were so good that you could go that deep onto an album and pull the seventh song and go, eh, we had six, six, six hit singles. Do you think we could go for seven? Sure. Uh, let's throw Smooth Criminal out there. It's the and, consistency,
1: you know, of him oh being able to do it over and over and over again. When yeah. You think of Kelly Clarkson when she came out with the one album, had like eight singles on it. They were all really, really good, but not able to do it album after album after album yeah. like Michael Jackson yeah. did.
0: You know, I I... Just- yeah, I remember. Um, I remember watching a documentary on Def Leppard of all bands, and there was it was a thing about their album Hysteria, which I also think had seven singles. And one there of the was things, a lot. That, yeah, that was there proper. was a lot. I mean, they didn't all reach number one, but no. they were they, again. Even now, when you're listening to those uh, '80s channels, they play a lot of Def Leppard. Um, they, I remember they were interviewing them, and they were saying one of the one of the mantras they would recite over and over again when they were putting the album together is all killer, no filler. Because at the time, what a lot of bands would do is they'd have two or maybe three, usually just two, good, like really good songs. And the band knew it. The producers knew it. The record company knew it. They're like, these are your singles. This one and this one. And then they're like, put whatever you want on the rest of the album because nothing's getting released. And people would buy the full album. You'd buy 10 songs, but you'd really only want to listen to one or two. And so that was what Def Leppard says. They're like, look, we're not doing this to the fans. We're not doing this as artists. We're These are all going to be great songs. And I like Michael Jackson more than anybody else. You look at his his track record. Clearly, that was his mind. He may not have used those words, but it's like an athlete who wants to wants to win every game. You don't just say, well, we made the playoffs. Let's cruise control the last two weeks of the season. It's like, no, Michael Jackson. He wants every song to be a number one song. And my God, he almost had that with most of these albums. So anyway, back to Smooth Criminal. So um, let's see. Uh, Reached number seven on the 100. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine ranked this song sixth on their list of the 50 best Michael Jackson songs of all time. They wrote that it was his best blend of R&P groove and rock edginess, and it was a turning point in his shift towards darker, harder, edgier material. Um, Let's see. Uh, It was, again, it's it's sort of that combination of – dance and funk and rock to a lesser extent um again it was it was very different than other songs that michael jackson had put even other songs this album like you listen to bad the title track and smooth criminal like those songs sound very different they're 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 designed to be very different songs a lot of bands you like you listen to a madonna album from the 80s all the songs sound like madonna they're all the same and they're all great um This one, this is a different kind of song. And um, I think because it had a little bit more of that rock feel, that's probably why I liked it a little more. Because again, I, I like bands like Def Leppard and Van Halen that I've already mentioned. And so I think it maybe struck a little bit of a chord with me more than some of the other songs off of the Bad album. Like, honestly, Bad is not, didn't make my top 10. Like, this, it's a good song. It's a good video. It got parodied by Weird Al, which yes. already is, we've already said is, is a, you know that's a big checkbox for me. But no, I couldn't. Uh, you know, Smooth Criminal for me, in my opinion, is the best song on the Bad album. Um, the other thing I want to mention with this, like so many other Michael Jackson songs, is the video. The Video was great. Uh, again, they didn't call them videos; they called them short films, and it it was like this supposed to be like this prohibition era speakeasy. Again, the whole idea of smooth criminal is—it's like the, the criminal that's dressed in a full suit with the shoe, the you know, the shoes with the spats and the hat, and it's like you—it's this style. And and Michael Jackson, more so than so many other artists, always exuded style. You know, in the videos especially, he always had a look, and it was always like, wow, he looks fantastic, and the look became just as important as the music. And so you have this really interesting um, sort of like a a bar or a speakeasy where he shows up and there's this whole scene. And again, it's it's played out like a little movie. One of the things that's very important to note, and I can't remember if we talked about this on a previous show, is – with the Smooth Criminal song, there's a whole part in the dance routine in the video where the performers do this lean. They call it the anti-gravity lean. And so this is what it says here. Um, the performers, including Michael Jackson, do the anti-gravity lean that appears physically impossible. The dancers lean forward 45 degrees with their back straight and their feet flat on the floor. They hold the pose – and then they return upright. The lean moves the body center of mass farther than it can support. So when they did this for the music video, apparently what they ended up doing was they used cables. Because in a movie, you know, it's it's a movie. You got special effects. But when Michael Jackson went on the road to perform this, he didn't want to be restricted. He wanted to be able to give fans in the live shows the same experience they got when they watched the music video. So he wanted to figure out a way to actually do this on stage for real without harnesses or special effects and so what they did was they they created special shoes that have like a little um slot in the heel of the shoe and on the on the stage these little pins would come up and the performers could put this the heels of the shoes in the pins and it basically locked their shoes onto the stage and they could lean which you think oh well of course then that's cheating but um they spoke with like uh, physical trainers and choreographers and stuff, and they said like, yeah, even though they had the pegs in the feet uh, to lock their shoes in place, they said that the amount of core strength in your abdomen to be able to do that lean every night for a concert, like the performances were probably a you know a year long. He's doing that every night or every other night. They said like it's it's just an incredible demonstration of athleticism and physical ability and. Despite Michael Jackson's fantastic ability as a singer and a songwriter, and a performer, you can't underrate his ability as a dancer and as an athlete and the, the physical requirements to be good at that. And so again, for that reason, along with all these other ones, Smooth Criminal is my number two. Oh, I like it. Okay, my number two, I'm going to go with Black or White.
1: So when this song came out, it was right around the time that I was coming out of my heavy metal phase. So I was able to finally appreciate Michael Jackson's music a lot more than I ever did, you know, before this. So it came out in 1991 on the Dangerous album. The music video was considered absolutely revolutionary when yeah. it came out. Because it used computer morphing technology, the transition between different people's faces, and which was the whole message of the song, really. It, it, it doesn't matter if you're black or white, you know. There, there's always been something about this song that just... I don't know. It just kind of hit home for me. I, I love the message of the song. The opening guitar riff is super clean and super catchy. It's the perfect hook for pretty much almost like a perfect song. That's got a little bit of everything. It's got great melody. It's got great verses, great chorus, great message. And it also lends itself perfectly for satire, funny enough, because right around this time is when Michael started transitioning himself physically So it kind of lent itself as a bit of a joke, you know, as whether Michael himself was black or white, you know, but, uh, but for me, it's always been more, one of of his more underrated songs. I don't think people rank it as high as it should when they think of Michael Jackson songs. I love it. Uh, It's right, right near the top. Uh, it it would probably be my number one, uh, of his songs. I like it that much. Uh, but my number one is a bit more textbook in nature. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, and the other thing I'll say about the song, I, I like how his earlier songs, and I mentioned like Want to Be Certain Something and, and Can't Stop To Get Enough, were like a transition between decades, between the 70s and 80s. Black or White felt like a transition from the 80s to the 90s. It, it's just a great song that I've always loved. And it's number two on my list. One of my favorite yeah, Jackson songs. The- I really like it.
0: Yeah. Agreed. It, it's, it's good. I mean, it didn't make my, it wouldn't, it did not make my top 10. Uh, but again, with so many good ones to choose from, they can't all make the top 10. Right. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the video. Um, it definitely uh, had that whole uh, thing with the morphing. I think that was the first time most people in pop culture had ever seen that before. And obviously that's something that had, that went on to be used in tons of other stuff. And uh, that's the thing with Michael Jackson, right? Is he, he's that visionary yep. uh, to be able to, not that he's the one creating it, but to, have somebody bring it to his attention and have him recognize that he can use that in his video to help visualize what the lyrics are already saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was great. What um, the hell is your number one Michael Jackson song? I'm dying to know. Well, I went with the textbook. My number one is Thriller. How can it not be? I couldn't <laughs> believe yours wasn't number one is Thriller. So, okay. The, uh, I just got to pause here. Okay. So what what blew me away with this was I didn't remember that the the song Thriller was the seventh song released off of the Thriller album. You would assume... That would be first. (laughs) Which single do you want? Well, you know, let's really be creative and, and release Thriller as our first song. It makes the most sense. But no, they released six other songs before they went to Thriller. I can't believe that. Like, maybe, maybe, maybe. You get a slick record executive who's like well we know thriller is going to be a hit why don't we put something a little you know out there that we're not 100 percent sure of and that way if it doesn't really go like gangbusters we know we've got thriller as our backup and that'll bang just put us right back into that number one position but no there were at least six other songs before thriller just blew my mind and thriller never reached number one number four was as high as it got on the on the billboard charts again Whether maybe people by that point had Michael Jackson fatigue, they'd already been listening to six other singles. And I got to think everyone and their mother owned a copy of the thriller album. So even though it hadn't been released as a single, most people by then were very familiar with the song. So when it finally started to get radio airplay, maybe there was just a little bit of fatigue. They're like, I've owned this album for 18 months or 24 months. I've been listening to it start to finish. I know all the words to all the songs. I like, I know thriller. I like thriller. And maybe people just didn't realize that it hadn't already been released as an uh, "quote unquote" official single, but it only reached number four. Blew my mind when I saw that. Um, described as a mix of disco and funk, and I think very much like you said with your other one from his Off the Wall album. This this is what '80s music. This this is what '80s music's all about. You think '80s music? You think Michael Jackson, Duran Duran, Madonna, in that order, and. This is the Michael Jackson song. You're, it, this is the go-to that people say. With, you know, And like you said, you ask 100 people, what's Michael Jackson's number one song? 99 of the 100 are going to say Thriller. I can't believe that you're the one out of 100 <laughs> in this regard. This is something 80s. I thought, well, this is 80s. Chris is going to give us all the textbook answers. But I wanted to get away
1: from the textbook.
0: Okay, okay. We'll we'll give you a chance in a minute. I think my number Um, one is
1: justifiable. I really do. Yeah.
0: So anyway, you hit on a bunch of my notes here. We talked about the video uh, with John Landis. Uh, Again, uh, oh, the other thing about Thriller that, again, I'm sure people are aware of, it has the uh, spoken word sequence by Vincent Price. Um, And I believe this was recorded just before the death of Vincent Price. Like, I don't think he did Mm. much. After this, he did Edward Scissorhand. He had a little part at the beginning, which I think was his very last performance. But this was certainly, um, uh, you know, an excellent finish to a fantastic career by an excellent performer. And Rick Baker too. Rick Baker did the 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 mask, the makeup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's like, oh my god, like um, it's got the it's got the quote thriller dance sequence of the dancing zombies which people do on YouTube all the time you see it parodied you see world records there's like prisoners in somewhere in Asia had like thousands of prisoners doing the Michael Jackson dance and you see it on Halloween people dress up and they do the dance and it's a it's a pop culture phenomenon uh i again i'm i'm still absolutely shocked this wasn't your number 1 <laughs> um <laughs> let me think what else do we got here that you haven't already mentioned oh um after the video was released, the sales of the Thriller album doubled. And they credited that 100% to the video. Because again, by then, there had been seven – this was the seventh single. People who wanted the album owned it by now. And then this video came out and it reached a whole new audience. People were like, okay, I got to buy this album. Doubled the album sales after the video, that which is craziness. Um, the, the Library of Congress has described it as the most famous – Music video of all time. Oh, for sure for the Michael Jackson yeah. Thriller. Um, I, I really, I can't think of anything else to say about it. They, that you and, didn't and say it, they always play it at Halloween. It's a Halloween staple. Yeah, it like, it's, yeah, it's so it is. It is a Michael Jackson legacy song. It is so good. It is definitely of its time. There's no way you play this today and people don't immediately say, "Well, that's clearly from the '80s." Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it it's it's from the '80s in a in the best possible way. Michael Jackson Thriller. Number one song of all time in my mind, and ninety nine other people out of a hundred, but not for, for Chris. Chris is going to go with the 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 you know I'm the hardcover textbook. You're going to go with the softcover textbook. Let's let's
1: hear your number one. Well, here we go for my number one. You know, We've mentioned ad nauseum that Thriller is the the song that most people associate with Michael Jackson, but for me, it's Billie Jean. Now, before I got into the academic world, I was on the radio, and I used to DJ events like weddings and parties and stuff like that. And let me tell you, Billie Jean was just as popular at those events, you know, when I was DJing as it was back in 1982 when it came out on the Thrill album. The opening bass riff, the drums, the synth, it turns into one of the greatest dance songs of all time. Which is a little surprising because when you think of sort of quote-unquote dance songs, you usually think of songs that are a little bit more upbeat and higher tempo. But let me tell you, as a DJ if I wanted to pack the dance floor, Billie Jean always did the trick. And the dancing that Michael Jackson does in the video revolutionized the music industry. It caused music videos to replace songs as the number one way people consumed music in the 80s. And another thing about the song is that it it really transformed Michael Jackson's career because he was still coming off the 70s when he was the little kid brother fronting the Jackson Five. And with this song, he's singing about a woman who's accusing him of fathering his, his you know, her child. So it, it's a transition for him into more mature music writing. Just about everything about this song is just off the charts. It's a great song. It's got great dancing. It gets people up dancing. You know, it, it embodies everything about Michael Jackson into four minutes of disco R and B and dance just mixed, all kind of rolled up into one. When I think of Michael Jackson, I always think of Billie Jean. And for me, that's what the spirit of this topic tonight on this podcast is all about. So that's why it's number one on my list.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a great pick. It's a great song. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily know if it's number one. I think a lot of people will certainly have it in their top five. I really struggle to not. Having it in my top five. I felt with Thriller and beat it already in there. Right. Throwing, throwing Billie Jean in was just, you know, fuel on the fire. And I kind of thought you might have it on your list. I did not <laughs> expect it to be at number one. It is. Um, it, that's the I one. Think, I think part of it for me was, um, you know, when I was, when I listened to the song, when I was seven, eight, nine years old, like when, when it was big, I had no concept of what the lyrics were about. I don't I mean, think anyone I knew did. all the words. I don't think I, I didn't sang yep. all the words. Yep. But as a youngster, it just—I had no idea. That's what – even the video reflects the the lyrics. Like if you watch the video now, understanding re- and realizing what the song's about, the video makes sense. It's you know the paparazzi follows him to the house and tries to take the illicit photos to demonstrate and prove he's having this affair with this woman, and it's like it totally lost on me as a young person. Just I I didn't understand it. It was not something that I I had any familiarity with. All I remember was the the that as he walked, like the steps would light up. And yep. again, with the visuals, he's in like the black suit and um, he does the the whole dance move where it like he goes up on his toes. Um, yep. So it was, again, like the signature style. And it, if I remember correctly, when he performed this song at the Grammys or the AMAs, it was the first time he had ever debuted the moonwalk. And yeah like i think he did it at the billy uh the grammys or something yeah, like that he did it on people stage people lost went nuts. their minds. yeah they like, went crazy what did i just see and that became like his staple move yep. and um yeah this this there's there's definitely a lot to like about this yeah. song billy jean um yeah it, so it's, it's justifiable uh, it's justifiable yeah I mean, there, it, right? it definitely justified to make the top five yeah. i still can't believe you have billy jean over thriller yeah, but uh i do you know that's fair enough and is i think it? some people are going to say i can't believe you have thriller over beat it on my list i know beat it is a big hit for a lot of people no nah, that's um, down the list for me uh, yeah i, 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 I think no. i think it's usually between Billie jean and, and thriller are usually they're sort of the top two yeah. uh that people throw around uh as sort of what is michael jackson's Biggest song, best song, biggest hit. We, you know, we always have this discussion when, and when we've been with a group of people and you have a few beverages. You sort of throw it at an artist and you go, what's their biggest song? And then you start saying, like, is it what sold the most albums, what peaked on the charts? And we're just like, no. Like, if I throw Person. out a band yeah. to you and I say, Queen, go, best song ever. And then, you know, anyone who doesn't say Bohemian Rhapsody is wrong and you tell them why. <laughs> um, but with Michael Jackson, you say, Michael Jackson, best song, go. I think the room's going to be pretty even divided. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to go with Thriller, but you're going to have a handful of people going to Billy Jean, and that's going to be a real discussion. Yeah. You're going so to be it shouldn't be that surprising
1: to you that I met with it. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, anyway, on that note, let's have some fun with Caveman. Okay, so you mentioned earlier how Michael Jackson kind of ascended to the level of the Beatles, you know, in terms of his accomplishments in the music industry. Because I think when you think of musical greatness, it's Michael Jackson – The Beatles or someone else, right? So we're going to play a game tonight called Michael Jackson, the Beatles or someone else. I'm going to give you a fact. And all you have to do is tell me if it has to do with Michael Jackson or the Beatles or someone else. Okay. Okay? So you got it? Okay. So what is the single that spent the most weeks at number one on the Billboard chart? Was it Michael Jackson? The Beatles or someone else?
0: I think it was someone else.
1: Bonus points if you can tell me who spent more weeks at number one. Is it
0: White Christmas by Bing Crosby?
1: No, I'm sorry. It was actually Lil Nas featuring Billy Ray Cyrus with Old Town Road. From last year? Really? Yeah, 19 weeks. What the hell is music coming to these days? Gosh, I tell you. All right. Who had the most number one singles Of all time michael Michael jackson Jackson. the beatles or someone else michael jackson no i'm sorry it was the
0: beatles with 20 beatles the beatles with oh because as we said like thriller never reached number one and Mm -hmm. man in the mirror never reached number one all right most number one
1: singles in a calendar year was it michael jackson the beatles or someone else
0: trying to think of that stat i threw it earlier where it was seven, i think it was seven top 10 singles i don't think it was seven number ones in a calendar year yeah most number one singles uh, in a we, calendar we talked year. about michael jackson's consistency i'm gonna say michael jackson
1: it was the beatles with oh. six in 1964 they had uh, i want to hold your hand she loves you can't buy me love love me do hard day's night and i feel fine all number I one in 1964. Go I Cours. never heard any of those songs. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. Which artist has had the most singles that made the top 10? Was it Michael okay. Jackson, That's the gotta Beatles, be Michael Jackson. or someone else?
0: That's gotta be Michael Jackson.
1: I'm sorry, it was Madonna.
0: No, we already heard 30, Madonna.
1: 38 songs of hers wow. have made the top 10 crazy. Wow. Okay. Wow. 13 times in history, Derek. A musical artist or a group has had consecutive number one singles. So in other words, they had the number one single on the Billboard chart only to be replaced by another one of their own songs, you know, rather than someone else to be number one.
0: However, I just read about this somewhere. Yeah.
1: Only once in history has a musical artist ever had three consecutive number one singles, one right after the other. Mm -hmm. Michael Jackson, The Beatles, or someone else.
0: No, I, I uh, this, this sounds very familiar. Like I read a lot of websites where they were like right. useless trivia fact of the day. And I think this came up sometime in the last year. And I remember, I want to say it was Madonna as well. So I'm going to say it was someone else. It was the Beatles. God, for Frick's sake.
1: I want to hold your hand. She loves you and can't buy me love from March okay. to April, 1964. Okay. Only once in history has an artist or a group held the top five songs all at the same time? Was it Michael Jackson, The Beatles, or someone else?
0: Okay, there's no way that was Michael Jackson. The the singles weren't released close enough together for them to be that popular for that long, so I'm, I'm gonna stick with the popular answer here and I'm gonna go with The Beatles, but it's probably Elvis, but I'm gonna go with The Beatles.
1: You are correct. On April the 4th, 1964, the Beatles had the top five songs. Can't Buy Me Love, Twist and Shout, She Loves You, I Want
0: to Hold Your Hand, and Please Please Me. Crazy. Jeez. Crazy. Wow. Now, hey, in all fairness, yep. when the Beatles were around, there were a lot fewer musical artists. So I think that has something to do with this here. Now, oh. not, not belittling their accomplishment, that's still fantastic, and the music is great. But when you have less variety... Of course, there's a greater likelihood you're going to have more songs on the charts at one time. So I'm just throwing that out there. You got it right. Just, it's all good. Okay. The best-selling
1: album of all time belongs to what artist? Michael Jackson, the Beatles, or someone else?
0: No, that's got to be Michael Jackson.
1: Yes, you are correct. It's Thriller. Thriller by Michael Jackson. Had to be Thriller. Best-selling album of all time. Okay. The best-selling single of all time. Belongs to which artist? Michael Jackson, The Beatles, or someone else?
0: No, I got to think that's someone else.
1: Yes, you are correct. Bonus points if you know the best-selling single of all time. Before or after
0: 2000? Uh before. It, uh it's not that White Christmas I already said, is it? It is White Christmas oh, by Bing Crosby. Very yeah, good. Congratulations. Go. All right. Adjusted for inflation,
1: what artist had the highest grossing tour of all time? Michael Jackson, the Beatles, or someone else?
0: Well, I'm confident that Michael Jackson would have made more than the Beatles. It's just a matter of whether or not somebody else more recently, like maybe U2. Um, That's why it, I adjusted for inflation. Yeah. Because I know those Jackson tours were usually long, and the tickets were probably reasonably priced for the 80s, but with inflation. As opposed to today, the prices are just so much higher. I'm trying to think of who is more re- – like, I know U2 made a ridiculous amount of money on their last tour. Uh, I'm going to go with <laughs> – I'm going to keep saying Michael Jackson. I'm going to go with Michael Jackson. It was
1: U2. Oh,
0: what was u Oh, my God. was <laughs> <laughs> Second down. Second yeah, decimals. they
1: made over $800 million from 2009
0: to 2011. Okay. I, I, so that was for me. I went to see them.
1: Yeah. What artist or group's studio album holds the record for the longest run at number one on the charts with unbelievable 37 consecutive weeks at number one? Was it Michael Jackson, the Beatles, or someone else? Oh. Number one album, 37 weeks.
0: Well, we've already talked ad nauseum about how Michael Jackson's songs just had single after single after single. And I remember looking at the dates of the releases, and they were released far enough apart that there certainly could have been 37 conse- consecutive weeks, you said? Yeah, 37 consecutive weeks uh, for the album itself to yeah, be number one. Yeah, Um Sorry, at number one or just on the chart? Number one. one. I mean, the Beatles were great, but I don't see them being there for that long with one album. Uh, now, was it Michael Jackson or who else could it have been? Uh, if it wasn't Michael Jackson, it was probably someone more recent. Again, I'm going to lean on someone like Madonna, but uh, let's say let's say Michael Jackson. You are correct. It's Thriller. It was Thriller. Okay, yes. good. Okay. Making me second sacc- del- my, uh, sac- mm. guess myself
1: again. That's the whole point of the game. Okay, with over 1,600 versions of the song, the most recorded song of all time belongs to which artist? Michael Jackson, The Beatles, the Beatles for sure. or someone else?
0: It's got to be The Beatles. Yes, it is. At bonus points if you know the song. It's, um, uh, oh, it's... I can I, it's a song where they repeat the lyrics all the time because there's that Venn diagram where it's just like the it's uh, Oh, uh it's not going to come to that's me. Okay. It's Yesterday by the Beatles. Oh, that's not the one yeah. I thought. OK, yeah. this is the
1: last one. OK, last question. What artist has sold more albums in the United States than any other artist in history? Michael Jackson,
0: the Beatles or someone else? Hmm. In the United States, the United States ah well michael jackson is american the beatles are not so i gotta think that gives him the edge there now Mm -hmm. the real question is has there been a newer performer who has sold sorry what was it most albums most singles or most money what What artist
1: has sold the most albums
0: in the united states so i think that for the last 15 years Albums are not really a stat that would matter, so it would definitely be Michael Jackson or it would be someone from the 90s. I gotta think it's Michael Jackson. I'm gonna go with Michael Jackson.
1: It was Garth Brooks, <sighs> Garth Brooks, of but all he's people.
0: American, right?
1: Yeah, he's American. Yeah, there we the go. My they, logic
0: was correct. Yeah, just, they uh,
1: like that kind of music down there. Go figure. Okay, so you did pretty good. You know, it was a tough one. You know, I thought I made it easy. I give you one of three chance on every question, but uh, mm-hmm. some of them were yep. a little little tricky, you know. Yep. But definitely, it just goes to show an artist like Michael Jackson, is just up there in the, you know, the pantheon. You know, with the Beatles and everybody else, you know, yeah, just sure. incredible the amount of records and, um, you know, all time sales that this guy's had. Oh, it's just crazy. 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 Yep. Good choice. Good choice this week. Coming up with it. Thank you. Yep, I did good all job. right. What are we doing next week? Uh, next week, I'm going to have to give you a movie. I'm still right down to the wire trying to decide between these two movies of which one I'm going to give you. Uh, last week, I gave you a science fiction movie, and this one's a little bit science fiction, but I'm going to still st- with that kind of genre somewhat and i'm going to stay with the 1983 film war games okay matthew broderick matthew broderick yep so you're gonna watch the, who was the female lead in that it was ali sheedy
0: oh okay i'm what? like i i couldn't picture who it was i knew it was, uh okay from the breakfast club a- and and uh, yeah. Santa Mo's fire so yeah was, I, one of i the have first seen movies. war games but i think the last time i saw war games would have been 20 or more years it's been a long time so
1: anyways is your chance to go back and watch a movie from nineteen eighty three, War Games, and we'll come back and we'll review that. So you're up for the challenge? Absolutely. All right. Sounds good. I think it'll be a good one to, to go back and watch. I was, it was I was really torn, even right down to the wire. Which movie am I going to give you? But I'll the other one, your I'll... other choice, and we can do that one yeah, next we'll time. We'll now. be doing that next time around. That's for sure. Uh, and if you want to reach out to Derek, you'll find him on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM. You'll find me at C. McBrien and com is our website. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach out to us there. In the meantime, this is Chris McBrien for Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes your World, the pop culture podcast. Are the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.